Hey, Paul, how's it going? Yeah, good, thanks. I was at Leicester yesterday enjoying the, uh, you know, booming sounds of the away fans in excellent voice and uh, all the lovely goals. But I guess we'll uh, we'll come on to that. How, how are you, Ed? Uh, I'm very good. I wasn't at Leicester, but I did enjoy all the lovely goals. They were good, weren't they? I think they were all three of them were good, which is nice. Yeah. Some better than others. But yeah. before that, there was Hull. Yeah, and, not not and no, quite no as good. Goals. No goals at all. No goals at all. I mean, look, it's uh, I, I was being facetious in the opening there. There's not been a lot of bore draws at Old Trafford. There's been a lot of frustrating draws. Was this one of them? I mean, it's like seventy percent possession or something, and quite a lot of attempts, but not necessarily the feeling that United were always banging on the door. No, it was immensely frustrating, but not in the way that, say, Stoke or Burnley was immensely frustrating. Right. It was immensely frustrating that United um, were handed a guilt-edged chance to uh, make ground on their rivals. Like the Tuesday, this was on the Wednesday night, and the Tuesday had just been a spectacular series of results for us. Uh, and we sort of really stuffed it up, I thought. Um, it, was a, mm. it was a fantastic opportunity. Liverpool had lost to Swansea. City and Tottenham had drawn with each other. Um, you know, oh no, that, that was a little bit before that. It was the Arsenal mm. losing to Watford. Liverpool drawing with Chelsea. That It was that. Right. And, and Spurs drawing away at Sunderland. And Well, the, the frustrating thing again about those draws with Stoke, Liverpool and Hull is that other teams have dropped lots of points. Other other rivals, you know, for Champions League places have dropped lots of points and United just didn't seem to be able to capitalise. And it's uh, that is deeply frustrating. Uh, you know, I suppose every other team could be saying the same. Um, but, uh, hey, look at those guys, they're failing. You know, if only we weren't failing too. <laughs> yeah, but they failed first. <laughs> like, that's the thing. We, we this The whole game, the opportunity was there. It was laid out for us on a plateau and we just didn't turn up. And I, I really, I really thought uh, Mourinho had a lot to answer for in this game. So he, he, he didn't bring Martial back into the side, um, didn't even bring him on in the second half, which was ridiculous. Uh, no, no. Apparently, two assists is a, and a very good second half against Wigan was a failed audition. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that, and then the same against uh, Leicester. Although you know he can point to the result there and argue in his favour. He started with a 4-3-3, which nobody would really complain about. And, of course, we would have loved to have seen Martial. But, you know, Rashford, Ibrahimovic, Mkhitaryan, no one's really complaining about that front no. three. It's not like it's a bad front three. It's just that on the balance of performances this season, it's not like Rashford is really earning that spot on the left-hand side either, really. No, Martial has four goals and three assists in his last seven starts for Man United. So, you know... Um, then the midfield that we all know and love of Pogba, Carrick and Herrera. Uh, and at, at half-time, I thought he made a massive mistake in taking off Carrick and bringing on Rooney. I mean, first of all, I genuinely think that after the Liverpool and Stoke performance, albeit Rooney contributed directly to the goal in the Liverpool game and scored the equaliser in um, the Stoke game, he was actually dreadful in both of those performances. So to come to him at half-time again... I think it was ridiculous. And we just lost all our shape for 20 minutes at the beginning of the second right. half. In the first right, because there was a very clear shape in the uh, in the first half. And, well, not only did we lose our shape, but Rooney just totally got in Pogba's zone. I mm. mean, I don't know, where was he playing? A- apart from, like, being dreadful. Because Rooney did have a stinker of a half. And um, that's not hashtag agenda. He was just bad. No, that's empir- empirical, data-driven, well, you know, fact. And also my eyes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Neither empirical or data driven, but 
you know, close enough. Um, yeah, he, he stunk. And, and you're right, he ruined United's shape. So in the first half, with Carrick um, doing his thing uh, and, and kind of covering, it meant that Mkhitaryan, Herrera and Pogba in particular combined to form like this super pressing unit. And it really felt like if we were going to get a goal, it was going to come from us stealing the ball off Hull uh, a long way up the pitch. And, you know, that was happening a lot in the first half. I think we made 11 tackles in the first half and like seven in the second, which is a pretty substantial drop off. And I think a lot of that was just about the fact that the pressing game went away. And then that meant that Hull could just sit back in the comfortable banks of four. And the decision, once he brought Rooney on, the decision, he obviously had to replace Jones, although he could have rolled the dice there, might might have felt a bit early to do that and not bring on another centre-back. But anyway, um, so he lost the substitution there. But the decision to bring Matter on instead of Martial at that point was just, like, it was completely bizarre to me because a bit of a bit of kind of physical energy on either flank. Like, so he took Mkhitaryan off to bring Mata on and we just had Rooney, uh, Mata, Ibrahimovic in, you know, in the, the slow lads go to slow town, you know. Um, and it was just, it was just really depressing, I thought. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of, just a lot of the United performance was depressing because, of, because as you said, the uh, the results the day before had gone uh, our way. And it just wasn't one of those games where you feel like uh, the the goal was inevitably coming. As for Rooney, you know, he, he got a half, he made 20 passes, he had no shots, no dribbles, no tackles, got dispossessed once. You know, and I, I don't know, it's, uh, it's, um, it's hard to say anything about him uh, now that doesn't sound like an agenda since, you know, we successfully set the agenda on the Rooney bashing for three years. Uh, but uh, very, very disappointing. And, uh, you know, you'd think it would be the kind of game that would make uh, Mourinho think about dropping him from the squad altogether. Fortunately, illness got in the way uh, when it came to Leicester. So we had 16 shots to Hull's six. By the way, Hull could really nearly have nicked it and smashed the ball against the post right later yeah. on. I'm not sure that... I mean, that, that's fair. 16 shots to six sounds about right for the balance of the game. United were clearly on top for the whole game in terms, you know, Van Hal would have said it was, uh, you know, we, we had control. We were dominating the game. We were attacking uh, from start to finish. And uh, and the, the whole keeper made maybe three very good saves. You know, one stunner um, and maybe three or four very good saves. Uh, but not all of those were... Great chances for United by any means. No, so you, the United's XG for people that care about those things is 1.4 in that game, which is like okay, it's not bad. And Hulls was very, very low indeed. Um, but a huge amount of that XG, of course, came from the matter chance. And, you know, I, I believe this is a real quote in that I've heard reputable people use it. I, I, it's hard to believe it's a real quote, but Zlatan apparently saying their keeper was making saves for the camera and that the, the save from Mata was not a great save. It was just a terrible shot, <laughs> which is amazing if he really said And maybe that. fair as well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, of, look, yeah. G- given that Mata is so composed in front of goal normally, that, that is unusual for him, I'd say, right? You don't, you don't really associate one matter with missing sitters. Um, so maybe we can forgive him. But it was a big chance and, and perhaps in many of this ge- these games, United have drawn nine games this season. 
in many of them, you could probably talk to big chances that United have missed. Mm, yeah, absolutely. The, the worst, depending on how you calculate it, is either the third worst or the worst shots to goals conversion rate in the Premier League. Yeah, so it's not good either way, is it? And, and you know, the, this game was just... The, the thing is, it's... it's I saw a lot of people say, you know, you can't blame them. Well, I, I put on Twitter that I thought this one was on Mourinho and lots of people were like, well, it's not his fault, Matt, I missed that chance. And I kind of think that's sort of reasonable. But then I also think, well, it is his fault that they only created one really good chance all game. It's not entirely his fault, but he plays a big part in that. And it's also, uh, the onus is on him to consider the possibility of taking Zlatan Ibrahimovic off the pitch occasionally when he's off, when he's clearly playing terribly. You know, it, it, that was... I mean, he did, I thought, did much, much better against Leicester. But it, this was the worst that we were seeing during his kind of dry spell earlier in the season. I mean, overall, his contribution has been fantastic to United this season. But the game against Hull, he was dreadful, I thought. Yeah, but, you know, like, I'm not so worried about the odd dreadful performance from Zlatan because I think his level of consistency is decent. I mean, I think the thing that gets me is that, you know, it, it does allow for a certain type of defensive strategy. I know we've talked about this on many occasions before, but, but it definitely does. It doesn't mean Zlatan's a bad player and you take away his goals and maybe United would be in a much worse position or maybe others would have started scoring because, you know... It, it just allows two defenders to sit deep against him. Now, Mourinho tried to change that against Leicester, and he, I guess, given the result, he can point to success there. You know, he went to two up front. You can you could change it in another way, which is to play with two fast attacking wide players and two attacking fullbacks. But he seems very reluctant, very very reluctant to do that. You know, to the point that his treatment of Shaw and Martial in particular is starting to look a bit odd, isn't it? But, you know, so he changed it up, recognising that United have a problem, um, where Zlatan is two against one all of the time uh, and and he's just not quick enough to play the ball in front of him, so he's always waiting for other people to catch up with him. So, you know, it's, it is a challenge because it's definitely a pattern. Yet Zlatan, he's got, he's got 20 goals this season in all competitions, which is more than many people expected. Of course, um, I definitely predicted he wouldn't get 20 goals in all competitions, so I haven't lost that one yet, <laughs> honest. <laughs> you know, he's got more than I thought. Um, although perhaps the performances haven't been you know that different than I was expecting. But, you know, he's a great player, but there are consequences for United, and I don't think we fixed it all the time. And couldn't possibly say we have fixed it because there have been too many games like the whole game, sadly. And it's almost like the, the problem is that the system, the, the compromise you make for Zlatan is well worth making when he has a good game because he does so much. It's not just the goals, but there's almost always a goal when he has a good game. But it's also like he's, his link-up play is phenomenal. You know, the, the, the stuff that United try around the edge of the box, this version of United in terms of interplay with each other, is on a completely different level to that it's been since Fergie left, you know, and maybe a little while before that too, you know. I guess the last time we were playing this kind of football around the box, I mean, obviously a, a much more consistent and higher level was 2009. So, you know, it's... It, it is well worth having Ibrahimovic in the side when he's playing well. But when he plays poorly, kind of stinks the place out. Um, you mentioned Luke Shaw briefly. I think Mourinho's treatment of Shaw has just been... I just think he's just getting this one terribly, terribly wrong. But that's fine. It's Mourinho. There's always going to be some compromise. And it's a shame that this is it. Because 
Shaw played against Wigan, a very low level of opposition, but he was really good in that game and helped United's overall shape a lot, I thought. And since then, he's played Blint against Hull, proper stunk the place out. Rocco at left-back for a half and Blint for a left-back for a half against Leicester, neither particularly effective. And it's like, the solution to your problems is right there, but you're too, you know, Luke Shaw fails the alpha male head-butting competition with Jose Mourinho, so he doesn't get to to solve that problem. It just seems such a shame. Yeah, and uh, I guess we don't know all the details behind it, but it, it certainly seems odd because Shaw is apparently fit. And uh, so just not being selected at all. Um, and and Marcel's not far out of that sort of being discarded syndrome. And, and look, fair play, I suppose. Mourinho's very clear. Um, you know, players he doesn't want, he doesn't want. And he's beginning to look like Shaw has no future at this club. Um, and uh, it, that may be the same for Martial too. A real shame because those are two mega talents. Yeah, yeah. A mega... T- oh, the, oh the, it's so maddening. There's so much fun and right about having Mourinho in charge and just these things are just so... But like you say, I mean, it's so easy to get caught up in the narrative of what you believe about these things. But like you say, we, we are not in possession of all the facts. So Martial today tweeting, don't believe what you read in the papers, come on United sort of thing. Um, but it's not the what we're reading in the papers that most people are worried about with Martial. It's the, he's definitely not playing. There's no alternative facts that say he's playing. <laughs> I, th- I thought you weren't going to make mansion. Damn it. I can't believe I did it. As I was saying it, I was like, no. Oh, dear. So any other observations? Uh, I mean, apart from just how important those two points could be, um, it was just another one of those frustrating, disappointing, annoying games that United should have done much better in. I definitely have the players to do much better in. Uh, but it's a pattern. It's a pattern. 29% shots or shots on target to shots converted or 12% total shots. So 285 shots United have had this season. It's a lot. It's a lot more than anyone else. Um, but the conversion rate of total shots to goals is 12%. Um, my only observations from the whole game was that Paul Pogba was quite good. Uh, used, yeah. used the ball really well. Um, Marcus Rocco was quite good uh, at central defence. And, and Herrera continues to be at least quite good. So, you know, they, they, they could kind of claim plenty of credit. I mean, a reasonable amount of credit, but the... That a real one to forget that game. Really, really, really frustrating. Well, I, I kind of tweeted, it's the worst result of the season apart from all the other terrible ones. But in a way, that, that was the game that kind of hurt the most this season. And maybe the Chelsea 4-0 runs it close because that was such a kind of humiliation, really. But um, but this one was just just such a waste. Although, of course, then Hull went and smashed Liverpool. So maybe it's a, maybe it's a great draw against a side on the up, you know. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> so at least Leicester was better. Yes, much better. Much better. First 15, 20 minutes uh, was a very low quality, wasn't it? I mean, it's not just United. I mean, Leicester's been low quality all season, but uh, there was some really scrappy stuff and no real patterns of the game. And and I guess sort of 20 minutes in or so, United at least got hold of the football and were playing it. Um, only the three shots on target before the goal. So uh, not exactly smashing the door down but uh, at least we're getting the football around and moving it um and then one mega cock up from uh from Leicester 
uh, one absolutely blinding piece of skill from Henrik Mkhitaryan. I'd nearly said to um, the person sitting next to me at that game, I nearly said literally moments before the goal, if anything good happens today, it's Mkhitaryan that's going to do it. And I think we, we had a little discussion on WhatsApp. I, I thought United were kind of growing into that game before the goal. There was the Rashford chance. And I think maybe Rashford, in fact, had two chances. Um, but yeah, the, it, it was it was bringing Mkhitaryan, switching back from 4-4-2 to 4-2-3-1, moving Rashford to the left, bringing Mkhitaryan central. That changed the game, really, wasn't it? And and then then our good players just started to play, I thought. And, and Mkhitaryan was like breathtaking breathtakingly good for that 10 minute spell where we scored those three goals yeah I mean he had a very good game all round uh, he did actually shoot straight at the keeper uh, <laughs> Kasper Schmeichel managed to dive out the way and deflect it into the top corner so he looked very spectacular but uh, he may have got slightly fortunate with the final finish but his run uh, in close control was absolutely outstanding and his ability to beat the last defender um, and keep the ball un- under control was uh, Mkhitaryan as we know him because he's had a few flat games recently, I think, after a sort of, you know, re-entrance into the side and the burst of goals and great great performances, a few flat ones. But uh, this was good against Leicester, very good. Yeah, very good. Uh, just very enjoyable um, all round to watch. Um, the So the, it all happened, the whole Leicester game was basically a 10-minute spell, wasn't it? Like, there was... Nothing happened in the first 20 minutes. I mean, Leicester probably could have taken a bit more advantage of how slow United were to start. But the, the switch of formation got United right back into it. And then the fact that Zlatan scored a second just before half-time, I mean, that was like, you really could have just played Ness and Dormer and all gone home at that point, couldn't you? There was, there was... Yeah, kill, kill the game stone dead. And Mourinho said afterwards that, um, you know, United were in total control after... After the third goal, he said, but really it was after the second goal. There's no way back for Leicester. They're just not in the kind of form that they once were and and being on the front foot doesn't suit them. Didn't suit them last season, definitely doesn't suit them this season. They, they've got a problem, Leicester, haven't they? I mean, they're seriously looking at possible relegation and given the way the players are currently performing... You know, I, I, you wouldn't want to say Ranieri's lost the dressing room, but he's lost something because there's some absolute stinkers of performances out there at the moment for Leicester. Yes, they're in such a strange position, aren't they? That you know, I think we talked a bit about this last week, but the the extent to which they were living a they've lived a kind of unbelievable dream. The, the normality of the following season, it must just be so hard to do anything, get yourself up for anything. But they, they, yeah, they were they were a total shambles. And I wonder whether Ranieri will walk away at some point and go, look, they need a new manager in. They're obviously not going to sack me. I'm going to walk away and let someone else take over. Well, they might sack him. It's, it's, this is football, after all, you know. Um, it, I mean, Chelsea sacked their manager the season after... Uh, they won the Premier League, so, you know, maybe Leicester could too. Um, you know, you would hope that Ranieri has enough of banker credit, and I, I really do hope they get out of trouble. Not that I have any great lo- love for Leicester, but uh, it would be uh, a pretty sad story for the champions to get relegated. And the thing is, before the game, I was kind of, I'd mentally convinced myself this this was the perfect game for Leicester to just get back to the basics, get mm. back to defending solidly, um, and trying to hit United on the break. You know, the team they put out there, 
apart from Ndidi, who cost them like eighteen million pounds anyway, so he's not you know it's not like he's a freebie they found. You know, Ndidi for Kanté and Musa is playing down the left hand side rather than all Brighton. It's basically the side that won the Premier League title last season. You know, it's not they haven't been decimated. Uh, just every single one of their players has lost at least five percent. Some are quite a lot more than that. Yeah, um, and and they haven't been decimated except in as much as losing N'Golo Kante leaves you decimated. It was like if Chelsea suddenly lost N'Golo Kante now, they'd look half the team they are. You know, like the kid is unbelievable. I say kid because of his little face, you know. Um, yeah. He's... Fun, funnily enough, actually, and this is uh, someone sent to, this to me on Twitter. Uh, if you look at his stats against Ander Herrera, Herrera stacks up. Very, very well. You oh, know. yeah, no doubt. Um, no, but, but, you know, Herrera, that's like, that's, it should be his new nickname. Um, yeah, Kante's obviously, obviously a very critical influence. You know, and I guess we speculated last season if they lost any one of Mares, Kante or, or Vardy through the season with their performances drop off. They didn't lose any of them and their performances never dropped off. I mean, they've fallen off a cliff this season. is absolutely abysmal. You know, and and uh, just some of the goals United scored, where um, I think was it the final goal? Is it Matter's goal where uh, Morgan's standing there, keeping everybody on side, uh, and his teammates are ten yards further forward? I mean, it's just some—I'm well, exaggerating, but just some awful, awful defending. Uh, you know, would have called it schoolboy, but yeah, you fifteen-year-old know, kids know how to keep a line. It's like rule number one of defending: keep a line. Yeah, I mean, every single one of the defenders who had any active active participation in that goal did terribly. And yet still, like, it was a beautiful goal from United's point of view and, um, and sort of speaks to a kind of interesting tactical thing for United, which is that having Mata and Mkhitaryan on the pitch together does open up the possibility space for things like that to happen. You know, it's it's there's a sort of... I don't know, it's, it was a weird decision, I thought, to put Mkhitaryan central and have Mata outright. That, 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 that's almost counterintuitive, but you can't argue that it absolutely worked to treat. Um, Mata's guile in linking up with Mkhitaryan is, is much uh, to be, is, you know, is wonderful to have on the pitch. But um, the lack of speed is, uh, is real serious when it comes to trying to keep up with him. Anyway. Yeah, um, so... Uh, Martial didn't get on in this game either. Uh, and just to rub salt in the very deep wound, uh, Ashley Young came on instead. Man, man with a big United future there. Yeah, very, very peculiar decision. Unless he's saving Martial, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. They were warming up together for ages and it was just like, well, we know which one of these two is coming on, don't we? It was a, a bit of the whole situation is a bit sad, really. But it is. Look, in, a very important win for United, though, given given some of the other results recently, and and now within a win of being in the top four. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? This 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 game also came with the kind of guarantee of closing the gap um, because of the results that had gone in. And for a second, it looked like uh, City might be drawing against Swansea. Although I never quite believed that dream. Um, uh, once yes, I, I think I think you said yeah. You fully expect Aguero to score. Yeah, well, it, was, it was Aguero. No, but yeah. uh, Jesus. So apparently, uh, if you say Jesus with an Irish accent, that's that's the correct correct pronunciation. Jesus. Of, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Um, He's, uh, he's a player, isn't he? Like, he, look, he looks a very good player. I don't dwell too much on City's players. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 not, it's not a good space to be in. It's not what we do, is it? 
No, definitely not. But um, yeah, I mean, very fortunate City to get away with the fact that they took the free kick from absolutely nowhere near where the offence was committed and with a rolling ball. <laughs> yeah, the refs are all against us. That's what it is. That's the problem. Yeah. Um, uh, but but, you know, but look, in any case, look, it's five points between United and City. So five points... Uh, sorry, five, four points between United and City, five points between United and Tottenham. So five points between second and sixth. Chelsea obviously miles out in front, but this is going to be a very, very tight race for the top four now. I mean, we are so lucky that Arsenal and Liverpool have just decided to make the race for fourth place really interesting. Because if they'd put the pedal to the metal, then we'd be out of sight because we'd just drop so many chance, drop so many opportunities. But Liverpool have been completely dire as of Arsenal. Oh. So is the uh, the clock myth now exploded? <laughs> well, I'm not sure I'm having that really. I mean, you've got Are a you? couple of lucky titles with Borussia while <laughs> while, Bar- while Bayern were in um, were in transition. Uh, and yeah, it's been a total mess since then, hasn't it? So whatever you do, don't go back and listen to all the episodes of the Rankcast where Ed says he'd like Klopp to be an iron manager. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, you know, Adobe came out with the, that new sort of beta product where they can basically take uh, audio uh, and then synthesize a voice, and it's impossible to tell the difference between them. That was that test. Any anywhere where I'd said Klopp should be United man- manager, is someone inserting it, not me. <laughs> Clearly, clearly that's what's happened. Yeah, um, and then Wenger, well, you know, he's been a fraud for 15 years, hasn't he? And I think I'm quite safe in saying that. I mean, they, they, they're still in the FA Cup, uh, but they've got Bayern in the Champions League, so and, and they're clearly not going to win the Premier League this season, so they have just the FA Cup to chase another failed season at Arsenal. Arsenal fan TV must be fun. It's so fun, Gary never wants to go on it. Yeah, we had a question. That's why I, I was slightly absent for a second because I'm, I'm trying to find the question that we had about uh, about Neville and Arsenal Fan TV, but I can't. Um, but somebody... So apologies to you if you were the person that asked this question. Um, but the... Uh, Gary Neville has had a spat with Arsenal Fan TV and I can't quite believe this, but I think I might be 100% on the side of Arsenal Fan TV here. Because, like, um, Neville was basically saying that the the kind of angry Wenger out mentality among a lot of the kind of regulars on Arsenal Fan TV is embarrassing. And I sort of think, actually, it might be entirely appropriate to the way that Arsenal's been run over the last 10 years. And Gary Neville might be just far too obsessed with the idea that you've always got to give all managers all the time. Yes, yes, he's projecting, isn't he? Given that he got dumped uh, at Valencia quite quickly. Um, I think you need to have another go at Neville on uh, on Twitter or something like that because uh, uh, if you do that, he might come on this podcast and that'd be a good interview. <laughs> One day, one day, I feel like I feel like we're not that many steps removed from Gary Neville. We sh- we could surely we must know people that that have got ways to get in touch with him. I, I'm sure. I actually look. I uh, I know I know we poke fun at Gary Neville, but I think he's a great broadcaster. You know whether whether it's um, whether you agree with his opinions or not. Uh, he's you know he's very astute in his sort of analysis um, and having an opinion is good because 99 percent of pundits their opinion is, you know, not much, is it? 
uh, and pretty trashy when it's more than not much. Yeah, no, I mean, I completely, I completely agree with that. Oh, uh, it was at Vishak Patel ninety four that asked that question. There you go. So, found it. All right. Um, but you know, the the main thing that I think about Neville in this is that he's just wrong that that Wenger doesn't deserve sacking from Arsenal because I think that it's abundantly clear that if your aim is to win the Premier League, it is completely ridiculous to keep Arsene Wenger in charge, given that he's tried over and over and over and over again, producing nothing but abject failure after abject failure. He's a specialist in it, you might say. (laughs) Well, quite. Well, quite. I'm sure he has really big hands. (laughs) Um, uh, Shall we uh, take some listener questions? Let's do it. All right, we have got so many listener questions, so we're going to just do them. Um, this is very little quality control filter, so get through as many of them as we can. Oh, this is a great question. At Angie LD9 says, Ever said that someone at United didn't like the idea of him returning. Who do you think it was? A bad person, a bad, bad person. Yes, probably the manager. No, apparently not. The manager apparently had a conversation with everyone, was all keen on it happening, and someone put the kibosh on it. Yeah, he's gone to uh, uh, Olympic Marseille uh, with Dimitri Payet. I mean, there's no way we should be playing Patrice Everett left back. (laughs) Patrice Everett left back three years ago was a big problem. (laughs) Um, Yeah, 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 but he'd be great to have around the club, wouldn't he? He just sorted Luke Shaw out. Maybe it was Luke Shaw that didn't want him at the club. Although, maybe it was Pogba uh, and Jesse Lingard because they don't want their Instagram game, you know, kind of challenged. No, no way. Paul Pogba is an integral supporting character in Patrice Evra's Instagram world. Like, it would be nothing without the relationship between Pogba and his uncle Pat. <laughs> um, at Simpson underscore Calza, did United look a bit more out for blood than usual or was it just lacklustre Leicester making us look good? Great sentence. Uh, yeah, M- more the latter, I think. I mean, United were pretty lacklustre for 15, 20 minutes or so. Um, two moments, you know, one awful piece of defending and a brilliant piece of quality um, have really helped uh, United there and it kind of killed the game. You know, I wonder if it had gone into the second half nil-nil, which, you know, we're two moments away from it being nil-nil, uh, would Leicester have grown into the game? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe United would have always won that game because Leicester is such a mess at the moment. Um, but uh, I, I didn't think United were out for blood. No, except then they sort of developed a taste for it a little bit there, didn't they? For for just a 10-minute spell, they went into a kind of vampiric frenzy um, and then it all settled down again. Yeah, the last 40 minutes of that game, no killer instinct. <laughs> Maybe not. There was the matter chance, wasn't there, where he just like sort of got the ball near the goalkeeper and was like, uh, uh, all right, I'll just give it back to you. Yes, that was <laughs> it's kind of wet. After calling matter a uh, composed finisher. He's given two very good examples in, against Hull and with that one of uh, maybe he's not quite as composed as I argued he was. Um, uh, yeah, no, although he took his finish extremely well and it was a lovely link-up with uh, with Mkhitaryan that led to that goal. No, that was that was composure all over the shop, wasn't it? Um, how do you feel... Now, this is a s- subject that I feel very under-researched on, um, but a question from at KKMUFC20 asking about United's treatment of Nobby Styles. Um, I, I, I feel like I'd be reticent to speak too strongly on this just because these stories can often be not quite what they seem in in the press. Uh, This is is exactly the kind of story that gets badly reported, I would say. 
Well, it is, yeah. Um, and, and I don't know is the answer. There were similar ac- accusations over the years uh, about United's treatment of the families of the uh, Munich 58 victims. Um, of course, the anniversary today as we we're recording, uh, a couple of days ago as you actually get this, um, uh, and, and I'm not sure how much they were true or false either. Uh, the other question is, you know, exactly how much of a re- responsibility is it of United to look after all the ex-players? Is it only the ones that were good and won trophies or is it all of them or is it none of it's them? It's a very difficult question, isn't it? I, I, I think, I don't know. You feel like it's... Well, look, uh, I, I'm quite sure that my employer uh, will not give a damn when I'm old. Um, and I, if I haven't sorted out my own pension. Not that I'm saying that, that should be United's policy. I'm just saying that's normal employment practice. It is, yeah. But there is something about football that is just so far away from normal, isn't there? The kind of emotional connection between the clubs as an institution and, and, you know, when Nobby Styles played for Man United, they weren't run as a business, were they? You know, they, they were run as a, an institution. So anyway... Um, shout out to friend of the Rentcast at Sean Hamster for asking the question about whether we could get Gary Neville on since he's willing to do Arsenal fan TV. Um, and at Greg Silence is how much of a legend is Evra? And I'm going to take that question seriously as opposed to kind of, ah, oh, how much of a legend is Evra? How much of a legend at Man United is Patrice Evra? I would say medium. <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, look, he's won a Champions League, a whole bunch of... Um... Uh, league titles for a, for a for a short while he was probably the best left back in the world. Um, yes, for a short for a while, short, definitely. Yeah, for a short while he didn't sustain it. Um, but he's, I, I think, in my watching lifetime, so since the early eighties, he's probably in the top two left backs that United have had during that time. You know, yes, Dennis I, Irwin yeah. and him. Yeah, correct me if I I'm agree. wrong, older listeners. Who, uh, who, like me, might have forgotten uh, our best left backs of the eighties. Uh, I think he probably was in the top two, you know. So I think he's been a very good player for United. Legend, I don't know. It's a very highly used word, isn't it? I would say very good player at his peak at United, like exceptional player and absolutely mega cult hero, like mega cult hero status. But where the line blurs between cult hero and legend, that uh, I'll leave it for each individual to decide. Uh, ongoing debate between friends as at DJ Bigmore in their prime who's the better player Rooney or Tevez I think that you would could end your ongoing debate between your friends by just saying it's literally Rooney by miles and miles and yeah. miles and miles and miles and miles Te- Tevez decent player fantastic work rate and effort and um uh, and application while he's on the pitch when he could be bothered to get on the pitch and he wasn't on strike. Um, but, yeah, really much, much better player by a long, long way. Uh, Tevez, of course, who's gone to China, came out came out of having a stinker of a season at uh, Boca um, and is now making buckets and buckets of cash. Hey, Waza, I'm not saying <laughs> that you have to go do, do this. I'm just saying there's an option for you. Um, talking of buckets of cash at Oye Creations, does Mourinho plan to make millions of pounds by selling Rooney, Shaw and Martial? He does like making money for his clubs. Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny, he made a lot of money this winter, didn't he? Selling Memphis and Schneiderlin for very, very good fees. And uh, uh, if if the uh, rumours are to be uh, believed, then uh, some big money departures coming up in the summer in order to find uh, one Antoine Griezmann. So they say. Um, 
my cousin, Antoine. <laughs> He's not, though, is he? No. He's not, but my mum's cousin does know his dad, I found out. So, you know, there is that. That's close, right? That's practically family. Um, uh, absolute um, icon and legend of... Uh, and uh, uh, that word is much overused, but literally a legend in the world of illustration. At Stan underscore Chow says, Mkhitaryan's arguably the best number 10 at United right now and should probably st- and should should he probably start every game in the number 10 position behind Zlatan? Well, he certainly has a level of dynamism, doesn't he? You know, he's a very different number 10 than mathematics. Matters your classic number 10, get the ball, create shapes and spaces uh, in the final third and Mkhitaryan will run at players. Very, very different. Um, I, I'd like to see both of them inside somehow. Um, but if Zlatan's playing, I do do think we need to surround him with pace, which kind of suggests that Mata shouldn't play. I just, uh, I love Mata in and around the final third. He, he makes things happen. Yeah, and the problem, I mean, I think we've discussed this before in regard to Mata playing a number 10, but the big problem with playing a number 10 is that you have to not play Carrick, really, at that point. Um, and, right. and there's a cost to that in terms of what Pogba can do. But against teams that we are much better than, uh, Pogba and Herrera can very clearly do that job between the two of them, like no bother whatsoever. Um, so, yeah, I think lots of time for Mkhitaryan at number 10 would be pretty exciting, especially since it seems to kind of work with Mkhitaryan at 10 and uh, Mata on the on the right, um, because Latan kind of ends up surrounded by a pace because the two nippy lads that, you know, playing at number 10 and on the left get, get in and amongst it, and Valencia comes up supporting and, you know, another assist for Valencia. Uh, to Zlatan. Um, so, you know, it, it kind of works. Uh, at Don McDowell says, is there still time for Wayne Rooney to move to China before the end of the season? I believe the answer to that question technically yes. is absolutely yes. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't the Chinese window doesn't close until the end of this month? Yeah. Uh, I still would. I mean, it would be an enormous shock. I mean, there were stories, like big stories doing the round, weren't there? They were. I, I don't really see the point uh, unless they whichever club was desperate enough to want him, offered uh, huge amounts of cash, uh, he can still contribute, clearly. Look at the yeah, goal against Stoke. Yeah. So uh, it would seem uh, not in United's benefit to remove that potential. But then he wouldn't come on all the time and stink the place up. So, you know, swings and roundabouts. Yeah, true, true. Good argument. Well made. <laughs> Ginger. Oh, you mentioned earlier Morgan and Memphis, and I was just thinking the two of them seem to be on very different career trajectories. Like Schneidlin has slotted into that Everton midfield beautifully and looked like kind of like the upper mid-tier Premier League player he was born to be, whereas uh, Memphis is just like he was given two out of ten by Lekip the other day. And Ah, oh, yeah, but that's Lekip who, who give everyone two out of ten. They're <laughs> just very sneery in French about the whole thing. Um, uh-huh. at ginger underscore prince 28 says who's your money on to score in the 1-1 draw against Watford on Saturday <laughs> oh ouch ouch Fellaini yeah own goal yeah yeah, yeah. okay um, do you see Martial staying beyond this season if things don't change between him and Mourinho says at seven Fowers oh, underscore he's just too talented to throw him away I mean it, it would be insane insane I'm I'm really hoping that Mourinho is is doing whatever Mourinho does, um, and or somehow coax uh, Anthony Martial back out again. Um, I don't. It doesn't look like it, but it's not what's happening. I no, thought that was what was happening like with Mkhitaryan, but I do not think that's what's happening this time. Um, at written on, written off underscore MUFC uh, James has a question which has a hidden meaning. 
Is Kevin De Bruyne or Mkhitaryan? And the reason that he asked this is because he and I are battling it out at the top of a um, a weekly head-to-head fantasy football uh, draft league. Um, and I had Kevin De Bruyne in my squad, and I traded him to a team for Mkhitaryan uh, last week. I put the offer in quite a long time ago, just when Mkhitaryan was back on the scene. And uh, he finally accepted it before the the series of games, the last series of games, which means I'm up nine points on the deal so far because he got nine more points than De Bruyne this week. But we'll see how many points uh, the two of them get by the end of the season. But obviously the answer is Mkhitaryan. He's united. Decent player, De Bruyne. It's uh, it's pity for City that none of their defenders can actually defend. Otherwise, uh, (laughs) they'd be winning the league by miles. Um... We switched to a 4-3-3 to get the best out of Pogba. Does it make sense to go back to a 4-2-3-1 to play Mickey at 10? Asks at Paolo underscore Cruz. And I think the answer to that is sometimes. Yeah, probably right, uh, per per your previous answer. Um, at Atishe underscore J says, does move changing formation mid-game suggest he still doesn't know his best team? No, I think he's always been a reactive coach, hasn't he? So... Uh, perhaps a bit overreactive in his earlier days where he made substitutions, you know, three of them at 20 minutes or something like that. Uh, but that, he's always been that. He's he's not one, when he finishes coaching, I don't think anyone will say he defined a new style of football or anything like that. Maybe parking the bus. Um, although, to be fair, there have been teams doing that for 100 years. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, he's, you know, he's famed for his great in-game management and his ability to react and understand what's happening. I don't think he's always worked this season, but uh, there definitely have been occasions when it did. And Leicester was one of those. Yeah. Um, at, at Liz Worsley, friend of the show, we've not heard from for ages, Liz says, one, should we put in a cheeky bid for Aguero? And two, will Zlatan play next season? Well, yeah, I, I think the club already said they were going to op- take the option of uh, one year. I know that Zlatan's agent's been in the press saying he really loves Naples or some nonsense like that. Um, I, don't, I don't think there's an <laughs> option to renegotiate the deal um, yeah, if he's looking for extra money. Maybe he's just on autopilot, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I, all my players have got massive offers for them and they definitely want to go. Exactly. Uh, at y- Huge offers. <laughs> Come on. Uh, talking of which, at Yemi underscore Nator says, did yesterday just confirm that the New England Patriots are what we used to be? Hashtag Fergie time. Um, I hate, I hate American football. I don't football. understand this. I, it- you brought it up. I hate, I tell you why. I tell you why. I hate it. It's the most contrived sport. Apart from, you know, like golf ball where they kick a football around a golf course or some, you know, other nonsense mashup like that. It's the most contrived sport in the history of sport. And there's, it's all sports contrived. There's two teams <laughs> and they've got to run no, no, the no, ball no. into each other's end zones. I, which they do for 11 minutes total in a four and a half hour game. It's brilliant. Uh, it's a great Because sport. there's almost no... And they do it for four seconds on average. Each play average... Four seconds. But this, the, 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 the beautiful upside to that, it's like test cricket. You get to really absorb everything that happens because, you know, you see it a few times and there's plenty of time for analysis and, you know, you see things in the replays that you wouldn't be able to see in the kind of frantic real time. I love it. That's the other thing. 17 minutes on average of replays for the only the 11 minutes of action. It is an advertising platform in which sport occasionally gets in the way. Oh, you see, the thing about that position is... Yesterday was one of the most intensely pure moments of sport in the history of sport. Like, so this is the worst time ever to talk about American football not being this kind of, like, uh, intensely sporting endeavour. 
it's no, no, I didn't. Did I say any of that? I, I it, you know, I'm saying there's 11 minutes of total action. <laughs> so I'm glad you enjoyed watching the adverts for four and a half hours. I watched it on the in order to get your 11 minutes. You know, what? I watched it on the BBC. When, there were no adverts. When, it was fine. When I was younger, I used to, uh, I did used to watch the American uh, football uh, when it was on whatever channel it was. Maybe it was Channel it Four. Was, you know, yeah. the days of the fridge and all that. And it's not been the same since the fridge retired. Um, but I realised why it was good then because I was watching the highlight show. <laughs> When you show nine minutes of highlights for an eleven-minute match, it looks good. That's, of course, it looks wonderful. Then it's still it's, the actual it, the actual four and a half hours of bollocks. You like that you test have to cricket, suffer. Ed? You like I test do. cricket? This is the, the. I mean, could a sport be more contrived? They have sandwich breaks. Like it's. <laughs> it's um, anyway, uh, the the. The New England Patriots seem to be evil from what I can work out, so it was a bit of a shame that they won, but congratulations to all New England Patriots fans listening. Um, I bet you're, a lot of you are just as upset about the prevailing political wind as uh, those of us that wanted the Falcons to win for purely that reason. Um, yeah. At Yougal Subedi says, Euro Truck Simulator 2 or American Truck Simulator? Never played Euro Truck Simulator 2, have played an hour of American Truck Simulator, so we'll go with that one. Is this what I think it is? Oh, my God. I mean, It's a truck simulation game. <laughs> like, what? Do you just drive a truck around? It's what you think it is, only maybe worse, like maybe more boring than you could imagine. Uh, so in in the uh, in the uh, world of you know automation and automated cars, which is coming very soon actually, especially to trucks, uh, uh, Uber bought a company called Otto uh, last year for about a billion dollars, and the uh, European Union's funding a ton of research in this area. There won't be any truck drivers, so this is going to be an even more boring game. <laughs> Well, it'll be a kind of nostalgia trip at that point, won't it? Like, back to the days of truck drivers. I heard that... Although there will be actual real people with joysticks somewhere, I suppose, you know. Yeah. I, I heard also that there would be, like, a lot of the, the local delivery would still happen manually and it would just be the kind of long-haul trips that were done. No, 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 because then it goes to the hub where all the mini-drones <laughs> either flying um, or the little... I don't know whether you've seen the Starship... Check these out, Starship drones. They're like a they're like a big hamper on wheels. Yeah, <laughs> um, humans, you will not have a job soon. Sorry, uh, but more time to play American Truck Simulator, which is weirdly soothing. It's like it, it's like Elite, but in trucks and without fighting. Uh, while we're on the subject, uh, we're done for. Uh, it's not too long. I already talked about that Adobe program that can synthesize voice. Well, um, I met one AI company in San Francisco, uh, Finnish, Finnish company, everyone relocates out there, um, uh, who uh, do uh, automated uh, trailers and stuff like that from films. You know, they just take the prevailing highlights. So they'll just be able to use the AI to work out what to talk about this week, and it'll be much better than <laughs> listening to our guff. <laughs> Rooney is very bad. <laughs> Zlatan Ibrahimovic is too slow. Daily Blind is good. No, Daily Blind is bad. <laughs> That's it. We don't like right-wing politics. <laughs> There you go, that's it. Just synthesise the rank cast. Nuance. Wow. <laughs> narrative. Um, yeah, narrative. Narrative. Um, at Mark Joseph Evans says, Hi, Ed and Paul. Great show. Thanks, Mark. My question is, if you loaned your guinea pig to your pet guinea pig to the club, who would look after it the best and the worst? One matter. The I, best. Come on. Yeah, I mean, Come on. Obviously, obviously. Unless he hugged it to death. Like, 
there would be no place safer in the world for a guinea pig than in the arms of one matter. Uh, and the worst, I think Chris Smalling, because, you know, just, <laughs> he's, just, he's, he's just a little bit absent-minded, isn't he? <laughs> I'm sure I had something to do today. Oh, well, it's probably fine. <laughs> I mean, I'd also be slightly worried about Zlatan, like when the guinea pig was getting loads of attention and Zlatan would be like, uh, why are you paying attention to this small thing and not me? I don't know why he's Russian. <laughs> yeah, close enough. So uh, we've got a game coming up uh, against, not against Hull. I don't understand this. Don't we play them every other week? <laughs> uh, against Can we play? We we don't want to play them no. every week. We do want to play Leicester. Every, why can't we play Leicester every week? Uh, we play Watford, who, who are doing all right this season and uh, probably one of the more ignominious performances of United's campaign down at Vicarage Road. Uh, wasn't it? Not good. Not good. Uh, the the end of Luke Shaw's honeymoon with um, Jose Mourinho, I think, that one. Uh, barely seen a game since. Uh, but they, they're doing OK, Watford. They've had some uh, decent results. They, they're not um, in the mix for relegation at all. Um, they uh, changed manager, but um, they, they're getting out of it what they need. Um, it shouldn't be... Uh, a difficult game for United, really, because Watford concede a load of goals, but we don't score them at home, apparently. Well, you say Watford concede a load of goals, but they've like not conceded a lot of goals really lately. Like in 2016, oh yeah, no, they, in 2017, you're right, they've shipped loads of goals. <laughs> they haven't shipped that many in the last couple of weeks, and they beat Arsenal away from home. So, you know, we they probably did. shouldn't be going into this thinking it's a done deal. I mean, I feel like at this point, it's really important to talk about the extent to which Walter Mazzari looks like a direct cross between uh, Dustin Hoffman and um, the guy from 30 Rock, Alec Baldwin. Like, it's, it's <laughs> amazing, depending on... Is this where you do your Rain Man impression? <laughs> yeah, but he looks more like Alec Baldwin. I can't really do an Alec Baldwin impression. So. Uh, just do him as Donald Trump and uh, <laughs> you're all right. Yeah. Uh, look, they, they won at the weekend. Um, and Burnley did their very best to help Watford win by getting a bunch of players sent off. The great win at Arsenal. Um, they obviously gave up the FA Cup, made a, a ton of changes and Millwall pulled off a, a shock, you know, with the late the late goal um, there. Uh, you know, they've they've had the results you'd expect of a mid-table side, got spanked by Tottenham, but generally doing enough, you know, and I think uh, Igalo didn't score for a ton of games. Didn't he just go, go to China or something? Was it Igalo they sold? Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah for like yeah, 20 yeah, million yeah. pounds. Wow. Lovely, lovely bit wow. of business, that, isn't it? Because he's gone, he dropped completely off. I like Troy Deeney was asked about, like, whether he'd go, and he was like, yes, definitely, I would definitely go. <laughs> buy me, <laughs> like, buy me. Almost exactly yeah. what he said. Well, who yeah. wouldn't for 300 grand a week? I don't. I think that they're not going to pay Troy Deeney 300 grand a week, to be fair. Do, do you not think they need um, um, uh, Shanghai SPING cast? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> just just saying listen just if, saying, if the money's saying. right we'll do it um yeah a kind of a kind of mixed season i mean I, like i think troy Deeney's a really good player and Capoo's obviously had an excellent impact since coming from tottenham those are the kind of big stories um in the in the watford side holobas leading the assist table there um which is good because you can do the i ain't no holobas girl ain't no holobas girl that's i don't doesn't uh-huh. I can't make a way of that yeah. making sense as a football chant. That's still. bad. That's bad. That's bad. Tom Cleverley's there, of course. <laughs> he's uh, <laughs> he, he's gone there and he said yeah, he wanted to be a footballer again, which is interesting. Uh, and he branded it TC twenty three. Or no, he didn't. 
but <laughs> um, oh. uh, well, you know, I hope I hope uh, I hope Tom cleverly can find himself a career because uh, he's he's been a bit wayward in the last couple of seasons. Uh, the last all of his um, much much yeah. like his former former nemesis Jack Wilshere. <laughs> Tom cleverly's been a bit wayward in his last all the games since his first five games in professional football. He was all right at Watford on loan, wasn't he, the first time around? But, you know. I mean, that guy's actually a really good signing for them because he's a completely competent Premier League midfielder. They're a mid-table side. Their ambitions are not any higher than that for now. You know, hopefully he can put in a massive shift and, and earn a, a reputation again. But, I don't know, it seems a bit like a long... Bit of a long shot, that. It's interesting that, you know, he's been kind of almost, like, bumped by another Man United reject who's better than him coming, you know... It's like we're just selling all our players to Everton one at a time, and then went one out, one in policy sort of thing. <laughs> well, you know, it's been a it's been a well travelled route that one down the years, hasn't it? Yeah, it's kind of amazing that Watford are tenth in the Premier League at the moment because they are not. I mean, they've they've pulled off some good results, and they were very good against us um, the first time round. But they've had long periods this season where they've been pretty dire, and there is this real quality divide between the top. I don't know. Six or seven, if you can't, Everton are kind of hover between the two. Then you've got West Brom in a kind of little one-man pulis bubble of their own. And then there's the rest of the division. It's just quite a lot of bad. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, underperforming against last season and quality of squad are West Ham, Southampton and Leicester. Um, and that might say something about Watford's position, I suppose. Um, you know, the... Uh, they're not going to, they shouldn't get into a relegation battle, Watford. I think they're good enough uh, and direct enough um, to uh, get the points that they need. I mean, down at the bottom now, I mean, it is super tight. It's two points between 15th and 20th um, and some really, really bad teams there. Some really bad teams. Uh, we should probably, I mean, given how much of our lives we've dedicated to telling people David Moyes is bad, we should probably do him the honour of mentioning the fact that he pulled off a 4-0 win against Crystal Palace in the weirdest result that anyone... I mean, did anybody see that result coming? Is there a single human who bet before the game started on Sunderland for Crystal Palace nil? Well, there probably is. Um, Yeah, (laughs) Moyes must have been disappointed, though. He was only going there to make it hard for them. (laughs) I am... on on the on this day thing in Facebook, when I first started at Bleacher Report, I put a lot of my articles on my Facebook page, and uh, I got a notification telling me that um, th- an article that I'd written just before um, the Fulham game uh, it was like so many years ago. Uh, you know, so many years ago today, twenty fourteen. This this day in twenty fourteen. And uh, in it, I I basically said David Moyes has to stop blaming luck, and if they don't. Uh, beat Fulham he has to convince fans that he's got some sort of long-term plan beyond just get the ball out wide and hit crosses in very nice <laughs> I was quite pleased about that anyway um uh, quick note on talking about Sunderland on uh, Adnan Yanazai who had a very very good game against Crystal Palace playing at number 10 two assists and um looked a natural in that position yeah I mean there's no chance he's coming back to United is there no, but it was nice to see a, a, a lad with apparently a bad attitude, uh, but yeah. lots and lots and lots of talent. 
doing well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, you know, I've got a lot of time for Adnan Yanzai as a player and, and it, is, it is really nice. But, you know, the, the Griezmann rumours, as if you, we weren't already pretty sure that Yanazai wasn't coming back, the Griezmann rumours, uh, there's, there's, there is no room for Yanazai in the squad already. And if Griezmann comes, there's extra no room. Uh, one, one other notable note from uh, Palace Neil Sunderland 4. John O'Shea, about 97 now, playing as a sweeper. Lovely, lovely. It's probably the only, it's probably the only position on the pitch he hasn't <laughs> played before. Yeah, uh, there, were, there were clips of him in gold doing the rounds this week because uh, that was notable. And I think um, we should end the show... Um, you know, you mentioned earlier it's the anniversary of Munich um, and it's obviously a huge thing in the history of United and the the, the fact that a team this year or, or, you know, end of last year, had, you kind of see it happen and, and there's something that makes it all the more real for seeing it happen in your lifetime because almost like anything that happens before you're born is quite hard to make seem real. Like, we're not very good at that as humans uh, but it's just it's all very real and very contemporary and you just imagine uh, what the people that went through that went through fans the club the whole thing and and it is important and it is worth the kind of respectful but not maudlin approach that the club took to it I thought was excellent and special mention to Phil Jones for not putting up any branded uh, memorial tributes and in fact deleting last year's it only took him literally a year well done Phil so, so yeah lesson learned I hope right well I guess that's us for this week um, we'll be back after uh, United nil Watford won next weekend <laughs> is that your official prediction no no I think we'll beat them but... <laughs> do you really yeah, I always predict this, don't I? I've had some stupid prediction recently, so I'm going to be realistic and uh, say 2 1 to United. Okay. Um, uh, this is one of those where what you actually think is going to happen versus what you want to happen are fighting in your head. All right, I'm going to say that we're going to win 2 0. You might be able to hear from my tone of voice that I don't fully believe that. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure Watford can shut up shop, but. There's been plenty of sides I didn't think could shut up shop. We've done very well against United doing that Old Trafford. So uh, we'll see. We'll yeah, see. Yeah. Uh, I guess um, in the meantime, if there's nothing else, no no guest interviews this week, uh, you can catch uh, me on Twitter at, at United Rant. You can catch Paul absolutely everywhere uh, at UTD Rantcast, on New Maxit, on Bleacher Report, probably on Arsenal Fan TV. <laughs> Oh, the dream, the dream gig. <laughs> Why not? You should uh, you should get yourself down to the Emirates and just see if you can uh, mosey on in there just for just for a laugh. I genuinely think Troops is up there with the best pundits. Like that's, I, I think he's you know he reads the game that man. Anyway, um, or smells the game as Rio said about the uh, about the Super Bowl yesterday when he was doing a little bit of punditry on the BBC because they don't show ads, so extra room for really in depth analysis. Um, anyway, oh, really, 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 really in depth. They should have. Um, they should have Alan Shearer doing uh, NFL. Oh no, no! I'd like. I'd like to see that for three and a half hours. No, please, no. Um, right. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you're a Patreon backer, stay tuned for a bit more content. Um, if you want to get a bit more content, head to Patreon.com/slash/Rankcast to see how you can get involved. Thank you very much to everyone who has done that. Everyone else, we'll see you next week. Bye now.